Algar Productions. Despite the title, the following podcast is most decidedly not for kids. This is the Kids Love Batman podcast with your hosts, Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Episode 13, The Clock King and Appointment in Crime Alley with Fred Stressing. Hi, friends. I still don't know how to open this show, and now I'm just going to own that. <laughs> uh, joining us this time is a first-time guest of ours, which yeah. is very exciting. Uh, I know a lot of you are saying, well, it's only week 13. Everyone's a first-time guest. Well, I'm, I'm including the preceding 10 years of the other show. Yeah, shut uh, up. Fred, it's wonderful to have you on. Yeah. It's, it is great Hello. to finally hear your voice. Uh, I'm a long-time listener, first-time guester. Oh, God. <laughs> well, this is your last appearance. Goodbye. Uh-huh. Goodbye, everybody. I kid. Uh, actually, I, I meant to ask you this off mic, and no one probably even cares, but have I been saying your name right this whole time? It is stressing, right? It is stressing, okay, yes. Okay, good. Because there's the one I know S it is, it's missing the, yeah. yeah, it's missing the uh, requisite extra S, but it is pronounced stressing. I, I assume for savings? I don't know. You can use that okay. extra S later. Right. I, I think my, my I think my old family were uh, just very stressed people. <laughs> I, I can't think of what sort of job that would be. <laughs> it's it's the it's the Tiffany aching joke from uh, from Discord. Well, I was I was aching all day and now I'm aching at night or whatever. I mean, it's true. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I I'm not suggesting that you have a child, but that is a dad joke waiting to happen. Yeah. Mm. You've been so, tr- stressing all your life. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. So this, uh, the, the first episode we're covering, The Clock King, is one of the ones that you had requested. Is there any particular reason why? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think part of it is it's stuck in my memory um, from watching it years ago. And when I go through rewatches, I always just... The character of Temple Fugit, The Clock King, and his all like, scheduling, and he's just... Uh, people are always throwing him off. I just really relate mm-hmm. to it. To be mm-hmm. honest, it's just that whole thing of like everyone being like, "Ah, why don't you relax? Don't be stressed out." I'm like, "I got deadlines. Yeah. I got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. This I can't. I can't take today yeah. off." The second I I calm down for even a, a second, everything is going to go wrong. Uh huh. I think yeah. this is a thing yeah. we could all relate to in yeah. some way or another. Mm-hmm. And Matt, back when we were doing the Star Trek show, you had talked about at least early on before he became a, a ridiculous cartoon of a joke, mm. like uh, Reg Barkley being the same for you. It's like, like hey. Someone with anxiety in pop culture. Yeah. That's nice to see. Yeah, the, we never see anything like that, you know? Well, and, yeah. and that's that's been a, a, a nice thing that this show is has been very good at for us so far and mm. will continue to be. Like, representa- like, the villains are still villains, but they have very clearly delineated, like, uh, uh, diagnosable uh, conditions from the DSM. Like, mm-hmm. Harvey is... Absolutely, you know, what they called more multiple personality back then. It's, I think it's dissociative uh, identity disorder now. But, like, instead of just saying, oh, they're crazy, they love clocks, it's like, no, this guy's OCD. Mm-hmm. He is, like, crazy OCD, and he's got uh, anxiety. And it, I, I just, I like that. I like that they're sort of making it more relatable that way. Yeah. And I think the whole episode is just really well done. But I also just, again, that, that hook gets me, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and the mayor's a jerk. Yeah, he is a jerk. <laughs> Absolutely. I forgot that this is the same mayor from, from the other episode until you pointed it out, and that, that delighted me. 
Um, so why don't you tell us what happens then, Fred, in The Clock King? All right. Let me get some water ready, because it's a long one. Mm -hmm. It's another miserable day in Gotham City, and the bespectacled and bebowler-headed efficiency expert Temple Fugit is on his way to work. Grumbling his way onto the train, he sees Councillor Hill, the future mayor of Gotham City, reading the paper. Taking a seat across from him, Fugit attempts to make awkward small talk. This is what Hill gets for forgetting his headphones. Feigning interest, Hill asks why Fugit is looking so tightly wound. Ha <laughs> ha, clock humor. Fugit explains his company is facing a $2 million lawsuit, and he needs to get the documents for it sorted this afternoon. Before Fugit can explain what the lawsuit is for, or what his company does, Mayor Hill butts in with advice to help him manage his stress. He suggests breaking up his routine, taking his coffee break out at 3.15 instead of the usual time. And also, has he tried yoga and exercise? <laughs> Fugit decides to try Counselor Hill's idea, grabs his important documents and his large coffee, and goes to the park in an attempt to relax. Unfortunately, all two of Gotham's children and their dog are out today, and they kick a ball right into his stupid face and laugh at him. Fugit's important documents end up in the park fountain, and so does Fugit after he is surprised by a small dog. This day can't get any worse. Oh wait, the $20 million lawsuit thing. Due to his lateness and dripping wetness, the court finds Fugit in default. He's ruined! Seven years later, the screen announces, Hey, finally someone around here to tell us how a go something was. The now Mayor Hamilton Hill, notable bad dad and train jerk, is running for re-election. As he heads to a fundraiser, all the traffic lights start going crazy. Cars begin to crash into each other, and a mysterious figure, who is dressed exactly the same as Temple Fugit, stands atop a roof. Who could it be? Holding a remote detonator, the figure looks down at the mayor's stopped motorcade, presses down on the trigger, and lowers an enormous campaign banner of the mayor, with drawn-on devil horns, glasses, and a stuck-out tongue. He must have used a big pencil. Quickly, Batman is on the scene. He rushes to the rooftop, only to find the rapscallion of Rolex, the titan of timing, the dreaded fiend known as the Clock King. Wait, who is this guy? They exchange brief banter, and Clock King throws an exploding watch, which Batman quickly dodges. Then the Clock King jumps onto a train and makes his getaway. This happens more often than you'd think in Gotham. Maybe Batman should have his own train. But he doesn't. So it's up to Alfred to drive Bruce in full Batsuit, in full daylight, to investigate. <laughs> he finds the location of the Clock King's hideout, full of schematics and plans for the Gotham Clock Tower. Returning to the car, Alfred has news. Gotham Bank is being robbed. Alfred speeds Batman to the bank, and then finds a place to park, probably. In the bank, Batman finds himself caught in a trap, set by the Minister of Silly Clocks himself, <laughs> Temple Fugit. In closing Batman in the bank vault, the Clock King has anticipated his every move, and exactly how long each would take, timing the bomb to go off just before bats could escape. But Batman pulls a Batman and survives the blast using his wits, but only barely. Damn, these efficiency experts are ruthless. With the Batman's attention diverted, Clock King causes a train crash at one of the mayor's rallies, kidnapping the mayor in the ensuing chaos. Also during all this, he's been leaving around more defaced campaign posters. You know, it looks silly here, but wasn't this the entire marketing campaign for Nolan's Dark Knight? <laughs> anyway, Mayor Hill is kidnapped, and only Batman knows where he could be. It's the clock tower from the plans, of course. So Batman presumably has Alfred drive him there, too. It is, after all, still early, and apparently it's okay to see Batman in the daytime, but if people saw the Batmobile, they would lose their goddamn minds. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep bringing this up, but it's so weird. At the clock tower, the clock king has strapped Mayor Hill into a death trap. A clock. More specifically, the clock hands on the face of the Gotham clock tower. They're going to crush him, or maybe pinch him really badly, when the clock strikes 3.15. See, Fugit blames the mayor for making him late for his hearing, losing him his company and $20 million. I assume once he's finished with the mayor, he'll go after those awful kids and their dog. 
Thankfully, Batman is here to save the day and punch an old efficiency expert. How hard can it be? It turns out very. As they fight their way through a clinking, clattering cacophony of collagenous cogs and clock parts, Fugit explains that he's been watching footage of Batman's fights on the news. He knew the precise timing of every punch, kick, and battering, when to dodge, when to duck, and whether or not with enough prep time, Batman could defeat Darkseid. <laughs> Batman uses his knowledge of Clock King's knowledge, tricking him into jamming his weapon between the gears of the tower. Honestly, I don't think Batman lays a hand on this guy the whole fight, and he outmaneuvers him using Clock King's own method against him. Batman is the best. Then, the tower begins to immediately shake and fall to pieces. Batman, friend of Mayor's, enemy of architecture. Attempting a daring escape, the Clock King leaps away from Batman and is promptly crushed by a giant gear, killing him instantly. But we never saw the body, you say? Look, a giant gear landed on the guy. There isn't one. Batman, however, isn't so pessimistic. He's sure Clock King survived. After saving the mayor, he hangs out under a tree to talk to the commissioner. You think we'll ever hear from him again? asks Gordon. I'd say, says Batman, it's only a matter of time. He pauses. Nobody laughs. Batman stares confidently. It was funny, he thinks to himself. I'm funny. Oh, Temple Fugit is a riff on Tempest Fugit. I just got yeah. that. <laughs> I mean, in the comics, his name is like Robert Toxin yeah. or something. So Yeah. Well. <laughs> so the 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 prep time thing, I'm sure people probably know this, mm -hmm. but is is a long running, like, nerd phrase thrown around with Batman like well, on Batman the can beat boards. anyone if he has enough prep time. Yes, it, it was. It, it definitely goes back to at least news groups in the '90s, but we all know it from you know the comic book message boards mm -hmm. that we were hanging out on. Yeah. But um, it yep. occurred to me that this guy is like, that's that's all he is. He's prep time. Mm -hmm. Like that's Batman's biggest ally, and this guy has like weaponized it against him. Prep time, eh, yeah. Batman? That's me. I'm Mister <laughs> Prep Time. I planned for all of this, and you didn't plan mm -hmm. for anything. But I, but that's my my thing. <laughs> no, I, it's true. No, I, I love. I don't know if we've seen it. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I don't know if we've seen um, Batman go against someone who's been as prepared as yeah. he is. Yes. Or like, and this and this is one of the real strengths of the character, the Clock mm -hmm. King. Like, it's crazy that they're like, oh, there's a guy who likes clocks. I don't know, mm -hmm. but they made it into something that's like this guy is. An efficiency yeah. expert. He's been watching Batman for ages. He knows what he's gonna do. He knows like how he's gonna do it, and it's just a really fun way of turning Batman's whole thing against him. And he basically weaponizes his own mental illness. Mm -hmm. He's like, I am mm -hmm. ridiculously obsessive compulsive, and, and like to the point of you know it it ruining my life if I change one tiny thing. But mm -hmm. that also means I'm really good with details. Yeah. And he uses that, like, to his advantage to a ridiculous degree. That said, as you were doing your summary, I was thinking, if he's been watching Batman for years, he must know Batman does some detective work, so he must have expected him to come to his house and look over his plans, right? Well, I figure that stuff probably, probably appears on TV less. Like, it's much more likely you're going to hmm. get news footage of Batman beating the shit out of somebody than Batman doing detective work. I guess that's true. But I don't know. It just seemed See, a little sloppy for him to leave all his, like, the blueprints to the clock in his house. The the weird thing, and this keeps popping up on the show, the weird thing is how everyone seems to know a lot about Batman, despite Batman not I telling was, people yes. things. Mm -hmm. I was just about to say this, because I was, it's hard for me to reconcile elements from the show with what I know from yeah. the comics. 
But again, the comics have that weird like thing where sometimes it's like, oh, Batman, he's a he's a civic servant. Mm-hmm. He's hanging out in the, in the street. And sometimes it's like, I don't know if that guy's real. Of course so, he's real. He's, lives, he's kinda... in the Justice League. They have a big building right over there. <laughs> but see, that's my that's my preferred version of Batman, at least in the in the early years, mm. is the the criminals kind of thinking he's an urban myth and not sure. yeah. not really yeah. buying into it. And that that ex- like that kind of excuses some of the goofier things like, well, no, that's to scare them because they don't even think mm-hmm. I'm real. So mm-hmm. of course I'm dressed like a bat. Right. Well, I but it's but it's kind of you know ruins that one. It's like oh you know there's a bunch of uh, news footage mm-hmm. of you fighting. Yeah, like a lot of it. I've been able to study it all. But I also would imagine like, okay, yeah, we joke a lot about when this show is set, and I will continue to joke about that because it's still very unclear. But writing a Batman show going into the '90s and saying it would be nigh impossible to operate completely in secret. The media's everywhere. There's 24-hour news cycles now. People would be aware of batman so they're they're using that you know Mm. i kind of like that that's true that's true and now we just take that for granted but this was definitely sort of the early time when that was just starting to happen so Mm. it was kind of a new element to the to the whole to the whole thing so i I just like that he's been able to get so much footage and put it all together and be like no i know how he kicks i know how he throws i know exactly how long it takes him to throw a kick Mm -hmm. could time it down (laughs) to the last second batman which which makes him good enough to fight, I guess. Sure. I mean, it makes him good enough to dodge mm-hmm. a lot. That's true. I think that's the thing because I noticed. I'm like, he doesn't. Batman, I don't think lands a single hit on this no. guy. And he right. does that cool. And like, I think it dodge where his like hand, like it, like his hands are always behind his back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, it looks so effortless. Just like when he drops down to the train, it looks like. He's just sort of casually letting himself mm-hmm. fall. Like he's he's got a very mm-hmm. good sense of style for all of this, yeah. which I love. He does, yeah. And it's great. It's just it's so again, he had 7 years to plan. Mm-hmm. So of course, every part of this is has been pl- like he's been practicing and and you know, getting it all right forever. I I, I, I love I love his deal is just like, well, I'm going to kill the mayor in 7 years, so I probably should be prepared for Batman to not care to not like that at all. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I wonder if there's any significance to it being seven years. I don't know. Yeah. I can't. Because I, I'm like, well, he, he was running for mayor before yeah. this. Right. That is exactly so down know. to the second how long it will take to train my body and mind <laughs> and finish drawing on this giant poster I bought. <laughs> oh, I went down a weird rabbit hole. So I'm thinking uh, drawing on the big poster, Matt, as you pointed out, is is like the, the George Bush... Uh, <laughs> two bad neighbors yeah. poster like it's it's not very good it's not funny it's it doesn't really get your point across it's just like you know like like a kid doodling on a, on a book or something what, it's like what's what's your point here temple he's a bad mayor see do you think bad people time for have a mustaches? change <laughs> is that what you think i've made him look ridiculous yeah. who would vote for a mayor with devil horns answer me that <laughs> But but then I started thinking, okay, so he's one of those people without a sense of humor who's sort of copying what he thinks is funny. And then I got to thinking, oh, oh, he's on the spectrum. Mm. Oh, okay. And I, I and then I realized I was probably way overthinking all of this. I, but that's a I, I like that as a as a uh, headcanon. The thing it it all it all sort of overlaps. Like a lot of symptoms for different disorders mm. like present as one another, and and mm. it's very possible that. It, he might not be OCD. He might be, you know, on the spectrum somewhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that doesn't, 
I don't think it's handled insensitively because he's he's treated as, you know, someone who's really got his shit together and yeah. said, okay, this is how I am. I'm going to use it. So, I don't know. I kind of like that. Well, if we could just, like, get into the reinvention of this character for a sec. Like, it's so well, this is my good, good thing. Yeah, please. Yeah. Yeah. This Everyone talks about how the show made Mr. Freeze interesting, but, like, I mean, he already had potential. He has a freeze ray. If that wasn't a good idea, there wouldn't be 30 other guys with freeze rays in the DCU. But the Clock King on paper is nothing. As mm-hmm. Fred said, he's a guy who's obsessed with clocks. So what? Oh, there's, yeah. there's very a little there to begin those, with. There's a million of those yeah. guys in the DCU, you know? Like, all no, of these, like, shitty one-off with time DC powers. Yeah, you just pick a prop. And yeah. That's that's the thing they're obsessed with. And mm-hmm. clocks are an easy one. But, but they still manage to give him some interesting psychological nuances we talked about and also make him a genuine threat to Batman. Like this is the first and maybe the best time that a villain has outthought Batman. Yeah. I've really bought it. Like a lot of times Rachel Ghoul will do it and it's like, yeah, okay, of course, whatever. But I, here it was just so specific and it kept happening over and over again. It's like, Oh, this guy's legit smarter than Batman. Yeah. He's very good. Yeah. It's, it's really good. I mean, I know we see kind of sort of this thing with the Riddler mm-hmm. in later episodes with his death traps and all that, yeah. but yeah. Right. I would. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think, I think the part of the problem is this, this guy occupies a lot of the same space as the Riddler. He and does. He's already done very mm-hmm. well and he comes first. And so yeah. it feels like the Riddler's just, more of the same only not as good well and i like the deal with the riddler is that he thinks he's smarter than batman but he isn't whereas this guy actually yeah. might mm-hmm. be smarter than batman no batman even admits that he's like uh uh gordon says uh is he dead in there and he's like uh no i would have escaped so he probably did yeah. which is batman admitting this guy's as smart as me and i would have figured out a mm-hmm. way like that's that's a kind of a big deal yeah because now my only thing with that is why does he think that a gear crushed him <laughs> We saw it happen, but all right. I mean, how many times has the Joker died? I mean, a yeah. lot. Yeah. But I don't know how many times the Joker's been crushed by a gear. No, I mean, but there's a been a go-go. few. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been a few very clearly, like, there's no way he could have escaped. Oh, yeah. But it, Oh, yeah. You know. Also, gears have a hole in the middle. Maybe mm-hmm. he just, like, positioned himself to be. He does that thing where he stands perfectly straight yeah. and it just crashed down around him. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Buster Keaton's it. Yeah, exactly. Or or Buster oh, Blue. Oh, see, Buster Buster Blue's it or Buster Keaton's it. <laughs> mm-hmm. He actually looks a little like Buster now that I think. <laughs> no, and I love kind of. the design of him too. Like he's just a yes. guy in a suit, and the only thing that tips you off that he's got a gimmick is the little clock hands on his glasses. I love so those glasses so much. Yep. And his little clock hand weapon that you kind of spend a lot of time going, "What is that?" Oh, that's true. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's, the thing that's a stand-in for his umbrella once he's uh, he's once he's ruined. So again, very much like the Riddler, wears a bowler hat, mm-hmm. carries a cane yes. with his affectation right on the cane. Yep, like that, it's, it's very similar. Mm. So, did they not think they were gonna get to do Riddler? No, they definitely did, and <laughs> I, 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 I'm definitely gonna give you guys a chance. Like, I have a bunch of things to say, and mm. I don't want to dominate all of this, but I do have one more thing, which is I, I. Uh, so this sounds like I'm star fucking and I swear to Christ I'm not. The guy who wrote this episode wrote a bunch of episodes of Transformers mm-hmm. and uh actually he is the guy who was directly responsible for the version of the Ninja Turtles that most people are familiar with. Yes, like that Eastman is and true. Lair created them. Yep. But David Wise uh made them into like four distinct personalities mm-hmm. that everyone kind of knows and loves. 
um i did a series of uh uh, funny transformers reviews on youtube back in the day he found one of them about one of his episodes commented on it uh uh, we became facebook friends and we were never like friends friends but he commented on my stuff a lot we talked a lot here Mm -hmm. and there he gave me the opportunity to interview him for like an hour and i'll put a i'll put a link up to this on my uh my twitter feed but uh, he's he was a fantastic guy and and uh, really really fun to talk to really interesting, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately uh, he just uh, died earlier this year, which is too bad because mm-hmm. he was like he he was just a delight like a, a constant like one of those people who was very good to his fans when he didn't have to be, mm-hmm. and but what I was gonna say is he's also responsible for the Riddler he writes the first Riddler episode and weirdly I don't think he did nearly as good a job there. Mm. Maybe they needed to give that to someone else, but uh, hmm. but I think he did it. I, I, I what I love is people who worked in sort of the the cheesy '80s toy commercial era of cartoons making the transition to the more sophisticated stuff and and doing it well. Like, oh yeah, like oh mm. this guy wrote for Transformers and Turtles. What what are we in for here? A bunch of catchphrases and shit. Like no, it's like no. no they actually found good. you know the good parts about these characters. <laughs> Yeah. 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 On that note about the catchphrases, mm-hmm. um, it, it's like you, like we were talking about earlier, it's very interesting how this one, like the Mr. Freeze one, does straddle that line mm-hmm. of the uh, the clock jokes, mm-hmm. but not going too far where you're like, oh, not, not like an egghead situation where you're like, oh, Jesus, mm-hmm. this yep. guy, but like that sort of like, oh, okay. So it's like, yeah, there's a couple, a couple clock jokes because you have to, but not. Not like way too many. Well, the weird thing is, just he good balance. He makes a bunch of them, but also mm-hmm. other people do too. Mm-hmm. Well, we like end on Hill. Batman making one, and yeah, yes. And Hill at the beginning said he was a bit tightly wound. Like it's it's all over everyone. Mm-hmm. It's not just it's not just him. I I guess you know what it might be. It might just be the way they do it. Instead of make a jo- make a clock joke. And then, like, hold on it. Yes. Like, that, like, winking mm-hmm. thing that is really obnoxious. I think that might be what makes it work for me. And that's why the Mr. Freeze stuff worked, too. Because we, when we covered that episode, we're all very surprised just how many, like, cold puns he made. Because we all think, oh, that's the that's the serious, tortured, like, tragic villain. But it, he makes a bunch of dad jokes the whole time. No, I may be mourning the death of my wife, but I can also make a hilarious joke or jape occasionally. It's no joke, Batman. <laughs> what I've done here is a very humorous pun or play on words. I mean, we also have that, you know, the Schwarzenegger to yes. compare it to, so it's like, well... Yeah, I, but like uh, Michael and Sarah, who did the voice of Mr. Freeze, could deliver exactly the same lines as Schwarzenegger mm-hmm. and sell them because, you know, he was great. And Arnold is yeah. Arnold, and you, that's what you get, yep. you know? Oh, absolutely. He's great, too, in his own way, but he's not going to sell a, a villain with pathos. That's all I'm saying. Mm. That's true. Uh, so so sort of in line with the, the campy thing, the pulpiness of it all, Fred, this is kind of your good thing, yeah? Yes. Oh, yeah. So my good thing is the clock tower fight. Mm-hmm. So it just the whole clock tower fight is just this really, really cool Batman set yeah. piece. I know we've seen people fighting in clock towers with giant cogs and gears going all the time before, but it just feels so classic and pulpy. Mm-hmm. And I think, Al, you said it was it reminded you of like Hitchcock in a way. 
Yeah, I I feel like there's a Hitchcock movie that has a sequence inside a clock, and I do not remember because I've seen most mm-hmm. of them, and they all kind of run together for me. But I'm sure yeah. there is. Mm-hmm. I I don't know, but it just has that real classic serial feel uh-huh. that I know. Like as the DC animated stuff goes on, it sort of gets away from a little bit. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It just feels like really classic serial. I think the, the whole episode. Yeah, I think as this universe expands, they they just have so much more like science fiction and fantasy and magic type stuff yeah. to deal with that they they don't need to use sort of everyday things is all like i don't i don't think it's mm-hmm. that they didn't like it it's just well okay, no okay but now we can even... go, now we can go to apocalypse and have a fight why would we fight mm-hmm. in a clock yeah you know i get it it's it's not even a it's not even a complaint i have it's just that i like how yeah. familiar and comforting like the whole clock tower fight sort of feels Mm -hmm. and like and as it goes on if they just did serial stuff every week i would get bored Mm -hmm. yeah so i'm glad they've done this you know it's just a thing where i'm like oh this is like one of those real standout ones in that in that uh, area Mm -hmm. though well and and as absurd as some of the things in this episode are it's all plausible stuff like the the inside of a clock is a place you could actually go to this this could have so in a weird way it's kind of grounded even though Mm -hmm. this would never happen yeah you know it's, yeah. It still feels somewhat plausible, which I like. Uh, Matt, what was your good thing? Well, the whole, this sort of ties into that. The whole episode is a very good just chunk of, like, sort of pulpy Batman, you know? Like, anything you want out of Batman, he kind of does in this episode. Um, there's a great Batman death trap in this where uh, uh, Clock King locks him in a bank vault. And the whole, well, the th- whole second act is that. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> like Batman's out of the picture for a third of this episode dealing yeah. with that. So he locks Batman in a bank vault that's going to explode and like is every, every trick Batman pulls out to sort of escape there's this voice of it of uh clocking on the tape <laughs> like I knew you were going to do that Batman so I made sure that you can't. I'm sure you're pulling off out your mask now so that you can breathe. Well guess what? You'll run out of air just before mm-hmm. you escape. And like the only reason Batman escapes is because he figures out that the tape that Clock King left to gloat at him can be used to like move the bomb. Oh, yeah, he can unspool the tape. Oh, yeah. yeah, over to the over, over to the door and like and like blow it up. And it's just it's so good. Yep. No, and it is. there's some there's some really good like pacing in the animation where he reaches for something in his belt and then the tape says the next thing. Like it's. It's just the timing of it is so good because you're you're seeing the wheels turning in Batman's mm. head and then you're hearing Clock King like beat him to the punch. Yeah. Like, nope, that's not going to work. I'm sure oh, you're shit. using your bank vault eating acid to get to escape. <laughs> well, guess what, loser? Yeah, close up of his hand <laughs> reaching for bank vault eating acid. Just, oh, I'd love I'd love for the Clock King to start like listing things and Bruce be like, I didn't think of that. Oh, man. Oh, this is really embarrassing. <laughs> This guy's way smarter than me, not just a little bit. This guy's giving me a lot of credit that I did not earn. <laughs> no, it's 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 goddamn fantastic. I love all of it. I I think I mean that and the the fight at the end. I think the one of my favorite things about the Clock King in this too is it's like Batman uses this guy's own like arrogance against mm-hmm. him, which is always great. Yeah. Yeah. It's always great. Where he's like, I'll tell you, Batman, here's exactly how, how long it'll take you to punch a kick. And then Batman feigns a kick and then Clock King attacks, gets the thing stuck in the gear. Or in this, he's like, he leaves the tape to, mm-hmm. to play and Batman's like, well, I'll use the yeah. tape. And it's just, 
such good Batman yeah. stuff. And it's it's very classic, like things we've seen Batman do a million times, but a but a little bit mm-hmm. different, so it doesn't feel like ugh, this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which well, it's nice. you want to see Batman do this stuff, but you do want to see a new take on it each time. So it is a it's got to be hard to write. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, let's see. I already did my good things, so let's do bad things. Fred, what do you got? Okay, so my bad thing it's it's hard to find like an actual bad thing. Yeah. These, um, with with these two episodes in particular. Uh, but my bad thing is really, it's just an animation thing is that we spend a lot of time. I mean, the whole episode is Gotham in the daytime Mm -hmm. and Gotham. And I know this is an animation limitation of the time, but the Gotham streets are empty in the Mm -hmm. daytime, except the mayor's motorcade. There's scenes with, uh, well, there's a lot of scenes with Alfred driving Batman around in full costume, which are amazing. Uh huh. But uh, but but he's driving around the streets and down the alleys, and there's nobody around. It's empty. Yeah. And I can buy that when it's at night because well, it's nighttime. Yeah, and it's Gotham. You know, it's I know terrifying it's just, at night. Right. Don't go out and Gotham. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't. Oh, it's five o'clock. Better stay home. Yep. I mean, that's you know that's Gotham. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, I was just kind of my bad thing is I guess it was just it, it felt very empty and lifeless in the daytime. Uh, I I appreciate that you probably have made a mental decision not to use the joke you've written down here but i must insist oh god let me find it no it's at the Um, it's at the end of what you've written down for your bad thing here it just it made me laugh out loud when i read it oh oh right um yeah no but yeah got them in the daytime it just feels so empty it's you know there's no one around Mm -hmm. it's it's a park with two kids a dog a barrel ridiculous (laughs) thank you that is a reference that me and Matt that. will get and nobody else will get. Oh, my God. Okay. Sorry, everyone else. <laughs> but that's what this show always is. Fucking so. obscure-ass Mike <laughs> Kupperman gag. I love it so much. <laughs> yep. <sighs> I think about that uh, that bit specifically uh-huh. a lot. Yeah. And I don't know why. Not a month I goes feel... by that I don't think to myself, a dog, a barrel, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Now, sometimes when I'm legit in a bad mood, grumbling to myself, I'll say that and then, like... <laughs> kind of get myself out like oh okay never mind i can see that so vividly in my head yeah. ah, fucking God, dog a bear okay <laughs> ridiculous yep well for the longest time i didn't know that was a cupperman but i thought it was from an actual old comic oh god right well <laughs> it looks it so it looks so dead on it does yep yeah he's very good i think it was from uh the strange tales collection they yes did. Mm. yeah he if, a lot of good mm, stuff on there if if you haven't read his um a uh, thing about his dad being a radio quiz kid. Oh, it yeah. Is, it is so good. And I haven't yet. I've been meaning to get that for ages. My uh, my, my favorite, like, uh, completely you-don't-need-any-context-for-it-at-all panel is uh, his his dad gets to meet, like, famous people. He's a kid and uh, in the 30s. And uh, someone says, Orson Welles is going to do some magic for you. Won't that be fun? <laughs> and his dad just says, no. <laughs> <laughs> So, I do think I've seen that though. <laughs> oh, it's very good. I'm sure I've posted it because it made me laugh so much. That is uh, that has got to be the most our brand of humor thing ever. Yeah, there's like five things in there that's just perfectly for us. You're right. <laughs> Fucking Orson Welles gag. And magic. Like uh-huh. a disdain for well, magicians. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. Just uh-huh. right there. In in like two panels. Uh Matt, what was your bad thing about this episode? Oh my god. Um this was a real tough one to figure out because I love this episode, but um, the opening of the episode is exactly the sort of shit that will play on my anxiety. 
mm-hmm. and I'm like, you can't just not stick to your schedule. A dog will push you into your fa- into a fountain for your hubris. How dare <laughs> no, you? I like I like Fred. You you kind of hung a lantern on that by saying, yeah. Have you tried yoga? Like, <laughs> no. Just need to get outside more. Well. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, it's not enough sun. Yeah, not yeah. Enough sun. I, vitamin D. Yeah, that makes it sound legit. I, I mean, look, I framed as a bad thing, but I want to get into this because I actually love the sequence. Yeah, no, it's great. it's a perfect mm. nightmare, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, oh. I love, I love. He gets he gets to work, and he's like, "I'm going to take my lunch outside today," and his his secretary is just like, "Oh." Yep. <laughs> and like the the animation of him, he goes to the bench and he sort of sits down. He's got yes. his coffee and his pile. It's like, yes. I'm sitting in nature. I'm having my break at three o'clock today. I am a rebel. Take that, <laughs> mother. <laughs> There's four seconds of him sitting down mm-hmm. where he is just supremely uncomfortable, and it is so good. Mm-hmm. It's just that face where he's like, yes, right, okay, and... It's just a, like a perfect encapsulation mm. no, and of what this guy is like. In in keeping with the minimalist design of his supervillain costume, the like before he before he becomes the Clock King, he's also like there's not much there, and they get so much mm-hmm. out of like like his face is a couple of lines, but mm-hmm. they get so much out of it. Like the nervousness is so palpable from from just changing his eyes a little bit. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's very good. Yeah. Like, the the simplicity of the Bruce Timm designs always gets me, but sometimes guys are even more simple. I was like, okay, but how is he going to... Oh, okay, never mind. Yeah. yeah. Good job. I want to talk briefly about the uh, the mayor giving him that advice, though, on the train. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many little things in that moment that are so good. So, uh, Temple Fugit sits down. He's like, hello, how are you doing? And the mayor's like... Who who are you? Mm-hmm. And and he's like, oh, we've been riding the train for a year. You're my best friend. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and so we see this whole sequence play out where the future mayor is like, oh, let me tell you, you look, you need to relax. And then proceeds to get way into his personal space. He shuts his laptop, mm-hmm. and then he like taps him on the back as he's going out. And I'm like, this guy does not like that. Can you not see this guy does not yeah, like read that? the room, Mayor Hill. But but I think all of us, it, it feels like you guys more than oh, me, yeah. mm. but I think all of us can relate to, there are people who don't understand that. Yep. There are people who do not appreciate yes. the, the value of personal space or understand that some people suffer from anxiety and just think that everyone's like them. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's really rude to shut someone's oh, laptop. Yeah. I mean, I agree. Matt has <laughs> countless stories of riding the bus and people like... I don't know if they ever reached over and closed your book, but they definitely like they have definitely interrupted you from reading it. my book out of my hands. I thought I'd remember that, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, yeah. no that like, that has happened multiple times for me on the bus or the the train. Wow, just yeah. like hey, what you reading? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a great little or book why called. Why don't you put that book down and fuck off and leave me book. alone? Yeah, <laughs> Ugh, terrible. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that is that is a great sequence. Uh, Tying in with Matt's bad thing, my bad thing is I think that dog was actually Scrappy Doo. <laughs> if you look at, it, I don't know, it's just they drew him very like I don't know. I couldn't find much of one. Okay, I think it's the collar. It's yeah, the collar. He's got that Scooby Doo color collar. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's he looks like a a, a Great Dane puppy, and then yeah, he's got the collar. Well, any puppy he, powers him right into the fountain. Well, they they draw him so sort of triumphantly smug, yep. like I'm gonna go ruin yes. this guy's day on purpose. <laughs> 
I mean, the kids and the dog in this are not good. Nope. No, they're not. The kids kick kick the ball over. And I remember the first time I watched them, like, oh, is that on purpose? And then they laugh. And I'm like, that was Absolutely on purpose. Absolutely was on purpose. I mean, kids are jerks. I don't know if you're aware of this, Fred. Yeah. Maybe that's what we didn't well, see was true. the seven years where he got revenge on those children. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that was that. Was and that dog. Uh-huh. Um, now Gotham has no children. <laughs> I'd like to have this. I'd like to have this dog put down. <laughs> well, your paperwork seems really in order. Very I, I in guess order. So, all right. What is your dog's name? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my actual bad thing is okay. Let's go with Batman riding in the back of Bruce Wayne's limo <laughs> in broad goddamn daylight. You got a secret <laughs> identity to protect here, man. Come on. On the other hand, it is maybe the funniest part of the episode. Just any time that Batman is in the back of a limo and Alfred's driving him around. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's like it's... Matt pointed out a week or two ago with, with Clayface doing everyday stuff. It's seeing, you know, seeing someone yeah. so, like, Batman needs certain settings to pull off his look, and he doesn't have those here. No. Well, that's, I mean, that's another whole thing with the daytime mm-hmm. setting in this one, mm-hmm. is Batman will just be, Batman will be doing stuff that is very Batman, but it will seem very weird. Because so he goes to the Clock King's hideout. Mm-hmm. He lifts the big sign for the watchmakers, and then just slowly walks down the yep. stairs into the hideout. And it's just so casual. Yeah, imagine imagine you're you're in your home city, just like I don't know, going out for lunch or just taking a walk. And there's Batman, two o'clock in the afternoon, walking out of an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. Like what, <laughs> citizen? Maybe that's why this version of Batman is not an urban myth because he just walks around like that. <laughs> How's everybody doing? Right. I like <laughs> I like to get out and meet with the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to start wrapping things oh, yeah. up here. Any 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 final yes. thoughts? Uh, I think that's it. I, yeah, I think that's about it. I think generally our our kids love Batman is just you know a lot of this is very relatable to us as adults with varying shades of uh, neurodivergence, mm-hmm. but I don't know how relatable it would be to a child. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember liking also, this one as a kid. Did you? Yeah. See, I did too. Okay, but was I mean, it just like, because this guy was so cool and the death traps were cool. Well, I, I think that's, I think that's all it took. You know, like this yeah. is a very well crafted episode. Um, mm-hmm. I knew that this was a unique take on Clock King because I remembered the original Clock King from a book of Batman uh, characters he have a I clock had for a face. Yeah, he does. That's what I thought. Old face clock. Uh-huh. Does he have a crown? I think so. I might be thinking of the Brave <laughs> okay. and the Bold version of him. Clock King, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was just thinking about it when I was watching this, though. I'm like, I don't really do much with the King theme at all. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't really want them to. <laughs> uh, and I don't really have a, hey, it's that guy. I just wanted to call special attention. And I say this a lot on this show. I know. But once again, just choosing the perfect actor for the role. Like, this guy is so good. Mm-hmm. And... It's it's once again, not like Frank Welker or you know um, uh, Rob Paulson or any of your your regular guys who I I love all those guys. Let's be clear, but not doing a super villain voice. Instead, it's just like the guy who sounds perfect for the role. I think there's such a difference between mm. that, and it makes such a it's such a big deal to me. And I just love pointing out that Andrea Romano is the best person. Like. Everyone sings the praises of of Bruce Tim and Paul Dini and, mm. and Kevin Conroy and and rightfully so, but I don't think she gets nearly enough credit just for always finding exactly the right person for the role instead of 
making someone somewhat versatile try to stretch she like which is also good but mm-hmm. you know she always just finds exactly like he's he's just so good yeah I mean, basically, anytime I watch a cartoon from like then, from from Batman animated into probably 2010, mm-hmm. and I'm like, these voices are really good. Why did they pick them? The credits is like Andrea Romano. Uh-huh. I'm like, ah, yep. there, you, there you go. Yeah, she like she, like everybody else. I'm doing the whole like Avatar, Avatar rewatch yep. on Netflix, yep. and I'm like, that 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 makes sense. Yeah, I was uh, very surprised to discover that Katara played by Anne Veal. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yes, and I'm disappointed neither of you said her. <laughs> oh yeah. All right, uh, Fred, do you have a quote for us? This is the part where basically Clock King states his whole intent while he's fighting Batman in the Clock mm. Tower. It's there's not a ton of super quotable lines in this episode, but I just like really like the intensity and like the the fury he has in this line when he's explaining his whole mm. motivation. Give it up, Fugit. Hill committed no crime against you. He did worse. He made me late. Yeah, it's very good. And again, it backs up what I was saying. Just very good voice actor. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Moving forward to an episode that I think we were all pretty surprised to discover was just as good. Also as very one. good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, appointment in Crime Alley. Matt, take it away. <clears throat> Boom, pow, cartoon adaptations of comics aren't just for kids anymore, as Roland Daggett, Titan of Industry, and Norman Osborn impersonator plots to blow up Gotham's Park Road District, also known as Crime Alley, mostly because of all of the crime that goes on there, as opposed to the rest of Gotham, which is so safe and free of murderous clowns. In its place, Daggett plans to build, a, I don't know, a mall, golf courses, rich white guy shit, you know what I'm talking about. Meanwhile, Batman is late for a very important appointment in Crime Alley. Unfortunately, he's distracted by a little girl in need of help as her mother is being threatened by Daggett's thugs. Uh, No confirmation whether or not this mother is particularly thirsty for the Cape Crusader, so that's a no-seller in the Moms Love Batman category for this week. (laughs) Meanwhile, meanwhile, Dr. Leslie Tompkins, the Park Row Free Clinic's head doctor, also has an appointment in Crime Alley with Batman, who is never late even if said murderous clown is in town. So she goes out looking for him and is instantly captured by the goons Daggett has hired to make the Park Row explosion look like a gas leak. And then they tie her to a chair in the basement with the bomb, with the, with the bomb because this is an episode of Batman. Speaking of Batman, that guy is distracted yet again by a homeless person who has lost everything to Daggett Industries, threatening a clerk on top of a building. Batman manages to save them both, but the homeless guy probably goes to prison. There are no jokes here, that's just a sad thing that happened. Once again, Batman goes off to find Leslie, and once again, he's distracted, this time by a runaway trolley, which will run over either one or twelve people. <laughs> Batman cuts through this Gordian knot by driving his car into the problem until it goes away. Finally, Batman reaches Leslie's apartment, only to find that she's not there. He briefly reflects on how Leslie was the one who took care of him after his parents were killed before going outside and roughing up another homeless person until he gets Leslie's location out of him. Finally, he manages to rescue Leslie from the bomb, gather up the victims from tonight's various crimes, and go after Daggett on national TV. And Daggett walks away because he's a rich white guy who can get away with anything. Once again, there are no jokes here. This is just a sad thing that happened. Finally, Batman and Leslie go to Crime Alley, lay down some roses, and reflect on the 7,336 times that I personally have seen Martha Wayne's pearls hit the ground. (laughs) Now, we we were talking about this as we screened the episodes, and I... We'll find out when we get there. You don't need to tell us this, listeners, but I don't think we ever directly see that scene play out 
in this version of Batman? I was trying I, to figure that out. I think your out. memory is from like more recent things. Yeah, I was trying to figure that out, and it's just it's mixed up with the eight million other times I've seen it. Like I've seen mm-hmm. that scene in so many different media, so many times at this point. So it, I mean, it comes. I can, it, was it in year one? Is that where it started? I believe it was year one or dark. It's either year one or Dark Knight. I think it was uh, year one. Right. Well, Dark Knight definitely had some flashbacks, so it could have been. That. Yeah. Um, and then, I think it might have been Dark Knight, yeah. yeah. And then, obviously, Dark Knight came the first, first time, right? Yeah. yeah. And then the first time it shows up sort of in, like, uh, uh, movies or TV is the uh, 89 yeah. Tim Burton version. And then, yeah, you're right. After that, it's it's all it's over. It's everywhere. I ju- I've been watching Brave and the Bold in my off time, and uh, mm-hmm. I just watched an episode where it happened there. Yeah, but that show likes to, you know, play around with the cliches, too. Well, sure. So. Have we talked about the pearls on this podcast before? Like, have you have you talked about that? Because it's possible someone someone pointed this out, and I think it's very funny, and it's 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 a problem with uh, Frank Miller's like knowledge of this. But someone was like, "Hey, just so everybody knows, quality pearls are made to break, so they all stay together. It's the cheap ones, like fake shit, I... <laughs> that it's like single pearls, so they all break off. So Thomas Wayne, kind of a I have game. heard that, yeah. and I love it." Yeah, that's I hadn't, and that's great. <laughs> Damn it! I mean, that's I don't know the source for that, but that is something that I read. The last thought I... that goes through Martha Wayne's head before a bullet follows it is, <laughs> "What a cheap asshole!" Hang on, hang on, hang on, Matt. Mm-hmm. Why did you say Martha? <laughs> the Bane voice will always be funny to you. That will always. Why be funny did to you me. say Martha? Who is also my mother's name? <laughs> Martha Bane. Uh huh. <laughs> from Santa Prisa. So... So this one was quite good, uh-huh. and odd, yeah. like in an odd way, this kind of ties into your good thing, Fred. Yeah, so it's really refreshing to see an episode of Batman be this good without any of the rogues gallery. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the episodes I tend to remember. You tend to remember the Joker. You tend to remember like Two Face, Poison you guys, Ivy. You guys both watched this as kids, right? Oh yeah, yes. Yeah, so I was you know seventeen, eighteen years old when it started, and you know in my twenties when it ended. So like the things that made an impression on me are very different, but you guys, yeah, mm. when you see the Joker, you're going to remember that forever. Well, and also in fairness, like think about, think about all the crime guy episodes mm. that sort of bleed together. And you're like, I don't know. It's a crime guy episode. It's, it's a bunch of mobsters, but you're like, Oh, but this one has the Joker. Mm-hmm. Like it, it's, it's like a, I don't know. It just kind of like highlights those for you. When no, other ones you're like, what, what was this? You're not wrong, but so far at least, those episodes individually have been quite good. Mm-hmm. It's just you're right. Mm-hmm. They don't they don't have like a quick elevator pitch to say, oh right, that's, that's, what that's it is. the one where this happens. Well, what it was, I th- I think yeah. a lot of it when I was a kid, at least I don't know if this is true for you, Fred, was like they do, the episodes wouldn't click sort of with me if they didn't have like a sort of like a big costume villain. Like mm-hmm. if it's just guys, it's just like all right, I can see guys anywhere. This looks like stuff my mom watches. <laughs> I think I think that's pretty typical kid stuff. Like I don't yeah. have it with this show, but I definitely had it with other things mm. where like Well the the other thing too though mm-hmm. is that thing where you're a kid and you're like, oh, I hope this episode has this villain yes. in it. Mm-hmm. And then you start it up and it's like, oh it doesn't? Mm-hmm. Oh it has no mm-hmm. villain? <laughs> yep. And so it's kinda like this weird de escalating of anticipation where you're like, oh I thought Ah, not even Mad Hatter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah. No, it, <laughs> no, but once so, once again, just sort of complex psychological stuff yeah. and real, mm-hmm. real legitimate oh, yeah. issues. Well, like, and it's like, thing, oh, yeah. I, mean, I, I, ha- I had a vague idea when I was a kid of just like, oh, this is about society or something. 
I love that. I love little Matt, who I always picture having the body of like a five-year-old, but your adult head for some reason. There's a horrible image. <laughs> That's how I picture everyone as children, uh-huh. just as, as uh. like Funko Pops. Um, just soulless uh, dead eyes. Society. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't yep. a Joker episode. <laughs> Dog a barrel, ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's really good. And, oh, yeah. and it's subtle, and this kind of ties into your good thing, Matt. Oh yeah, um, this is a great example of a show don't of show don't tell in this episode. Like, we pick up a lot of info just from Leslie's scrapbook, but like, it's just good storytelling about Batman and this woman who probably raised him after his parents died, possibly with Alfred. I don't know. My bat- animated series and my comic Batman knowledge get mixed up sometimes. And just, like, having them visit the place that his parents died on the anniversary of their death. And all of that's kept really vague. No one ever says dead parents in this. But, like, it's so obvious that's what the episode is about. And you talk Mm. about all of the different times you've seen that scene play Mm -hmm. out. You just just talked about that. Now, imagine before 90% of those, assuming the audience already knew... And just taking it as given and not insulting their intelligence. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's where this show was 30 years ago. Yeah. And every other show is like, nope, we need to see his parents gunned down. Mm-hmm. No, we, we don't. First of all, standards and practices probably won't let us. But second, the audience knows Batman's parents were killed. That's a fundamental cornerstone yeah. of Batman. Let's just get on mm-hmm. with it. And these guys were, like, smart enough to say the audience will get it. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so good. And... That the bit where he's going through the scrapbook does give you a little bit of exposition, but it's so quick. Mm-hmm. He's in that room for maybe a minute, and there's no dialogue. It like, flies through, and it's just like yeah. this one. This woman knew the Waynes. Wayne's yeah. killed. Wayne boy yep. lives with woman. Yep. Yeah, and we never get any direct flashbacks of nope. like Lil Bruce hanging out with you know younger Leslie. It's just like no, this is this is what used how it used to be, and mm-hmm. now they're grown ups, yeah. and it's nice. I like it. It would have been so easy to do those flashbacks, mm-hmm. too. And they and probably would have been it, good. And, and my brain is like, I think they do later, but I, I have no, I have nothing to yeah, back I'm that sure. up. I'm pretty sure she comes back, but I don't know in what capacity. Yeah. I know she comes back, but I don't know if it's like with flashbacks and stuff. Yeah. No, I, I think it's her now. And this kind of ties into something I really like is I love Batman having a support system. Mm-hmm. I love like... I don't know if it was in the comics and I just missed it or what, but my conception of Batman when this show was coming out was apart from Alfred, like before Robin and everybody showed up, that's all he had. Yeah. Like there isn't a whole network of people in his life. There isn't Lucius Fox helping to run his company. Mm -hmm. There isn't Leslie Tompkins who helped raise him. There isn't the guy who fixes the Batmobile who shows up in a later episode. Like it's just him. Yeah. And it's so much better to see. No, he's got, and like, the Christopher Nolan movies for, uh, I don't think they're aging particularly well, but that's one of the things I did like <laughs> was he had a support system. He had a whole, mm-hmm. basically a whole team of people helping him do this. It wasn't just him by himself. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Yeah. I mean, I love the concept of the bat family when it's done yeah. right. Like that is, it's so good when it's done right. Yeah, but to and, me, and a lot that of... always means Robin and Batgirl and Nightwing and stuff, mm, right? Sure. I, I guess so. I mean, maybe I love the idea of the extended Bat yeah. family. No, I but... I could be. What I'm saying is, am I wrong? Hmm. I'm asking you. You know more about this than uh, me. I mean, I think that it's it's one of those things. Well, it's like in the animated show how Leslie Tompkins isn't around that much, but 
is always there in the periphery and will show up in different mm -hmm. stories throughout the comics. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're right, it is typically Alfred, Robin, Batgirl, Nightwing, mm -hmm. um, and a whole lot more now. But it's it's I like the concept of the Bat family. Uh, and here we're seeing a good example of it where Batman's like, yes, these are my this is like my support system. These are people I spend yeah. time with who help me with like things and being Batman. And uh, he's not just being an asshole to yeah. them, yeah. which happens a lot happens in the comics. Too often in the comics. Well, and yes, I, it does. I mention this constantly because I again, most of what I watch of this animated universe is the later stuff mm -hmm. so my 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 mm. larger impression of him is the jlu slash batman beyond version of him which has done exactly that well and yeah i feel like alfred's dead leslie Tompkins is dead like uh, lucius fox is dead like all those people are gone and he's alienated barbara and dick and everybody mm -hmm. so like you know yeah I, I love his gradual slide into that i think we're talking we're talking way for oh yeah oh yeah 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 no but that's yeah. what, what i'm saying is what I love about this whole mm -hmm. universe mm -hmm. is they have it always. They Every version of every character you like, you pretty much get at some point. You get businessman Lex Luthor. You get purple and yeah. green sci-fi robot <laughs> Lex Luthor. You get all of it. And you get Bruce, who is compassionate and trying to do the right thing and trying to do just as much as Bruce as Batman. And then you get super asshole Batman who's pushed everyone away. So they, they, they managed to have it every possible way. I love that. Well, that's the nice thing about doing the animated series and the way it's evolved over the run of all these different shows is that you can have that arc and you can ha right. you can show yeah. him getting more and more cut off from everybody else until you get to the part like where he's alone in the mansion with his dog and then, you know, Terry shows but, up. But that's, that's mm -hmm. what I love about all of this is these guys understand and respect the source material and if they make a choice to say this is the version of the character we're using they don't throw all the rest of it away mm -hmm. they will one day find a way to use it if it's good and that's that's so great to me because they don't just yeah. they don't just pick and choose what they want they try to honor the whole like at this point 50 or 60 year history of everything and try to work in as much of it as they can and yeah. that's i don't know it's just something people don't talk about a lot and i really like i, that. I think that's i think that's why this version is so iconic mm. to so many people just the whole like it's a real distillation of batman of all types kind of yeah like it, it's just and that sort of i don't know it just sort of like crystallizes into like this is the perfect mm -hmm. batman in a weird way for a lot of people from for me a lot of the time i mean um this is my so ideal good. version of pretty much every dc character mm -hmm. and but again no matter what you like about batman there's going to be something for you somewhere in this in this yeah. series, oh, yeah. which i love it's so good yeah uh, my good thing was just uh, I like that they actually had some people of color living in Park Row with speaking roles. Even yeah, there have been very few yeah. in this series so far. Yeah, and this, this show's very white. I was looking at the crowd scenes in Clock King, and it's like that's a <laughs> yeah. lot of yeah. white ass people. Yeah. I mean, I think I've mentioned my confusion as to whether Harvey Dent is or is not supposed to be a person of color, and I'm still unclear mm -hmm. on that. Uh, but. Lucius Fox might be the only black dude in Gotham mm -hmm. to this point, which isn't great. But it's also, it's mm -hmm. it's a legit good way to show they're talking about mm -hmm. gentrification in this. And yep. the people who are most impacted by that are people in poor neighborhoods who tend to be people of color. And mm -hmm. it's nice to say, this is a real thing that happens. And here's what the people who are affected by it look like. And it was, it was a good touch. Yeah. So that's all. I mean, I was... <laughs> Like I was saying earlier, I think the thing about the villains in this one is like, 
the villain in this one is basically capitalism. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> like, it's basically the villain, and I'm like, ooh, can Batman fight that? Well, he's a millionaire. I mean, I was gonna say, <laughs> but... there's a lot of that in this show, though. Like, they've they, we're only mm-hmm. 26 episodes in, and this has come up four or five times yeah. probably already. Daggett him personally has come up like if you count the Clayface episode as one like twice already yeah and it's weird like I didn't remember him specifically I just they're just kind of faceless businessmen to me Mm -hmm. in my memory it's like no it's the same guy guy again yeah yeah exactly I mean with the exception of Matt's favorite Rupert Thorne Mm -hmm. my favorite I don't remember yeah uh, most of these uh, these these mobster guys but Daggett I'm like I I've seen him mm-hmm. a couple yes, times. Yes, in Spider-Man. I do like that these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a lot in Spider-Man, actually. Too much in Spider-Man. Probably a lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 really interesting because I, I don't remember this stuff from when I watched it as a kid. I mean, why yeah. would I? Yeah, of course. But I've watched it since I was a kid, and I don't remember this stuff. And, Which is interesting, and it's weird to me because I'm I'm way more into the way everything sounds, and this dude is voiced by Ed Asner, mm-hmm. who has a very distinctive and great voice. Yeah, and I'm really surprised that it, that didn't stick out to me. Like, oh, Ed Asner's back. I, cool. I I didn't even notice that. Yeah, no, that's. I'm a... usually pretty good about that stuff, and I'm like, I didn't even notice that was Ed Asner. Oh, this actually takes me to my hey, it's that guy. There is a this uh. is one of those cavalcade episodes. So uh, Nitro, who, okay, so there's two really good uh, uh, thugs in this. Like, we talk about the, the goon design. Mm-hmm. The goon design in this one is A+. Oh, yeah. That's some good goon. Yep. Yeah. The, um, the one, the bigger dude, like, the muscle looks exactly like uh, uh, Robert Mitchum, the, um, the actor, mm. who was in the original version of Cape Fear. He's in a bunch of very classic movies. Very, very cool guy. Um, and uh, the other guy looked. Uh, a Nitro looked like he was out of like I don't know Dick Tracy or something. Oh, like definitely. Forties, such a Dick Tracy villain. Yeah, it's so it's such a good look. And I was I didn't say it when we were watching through it, but I was thinking to myself like when, when he loses the hat and he's got like those three mm-hmm. hairs. Mm-hmm. I'm like, ah oh, man, he should just not have the hat. That's such a good design. Yeah, no, they they look fantastic. Like we we brought this up a lot, but when they put a little extra work into the. Yeah. Into the henchman who will never we know we'll never see again. Mm-hmm. It's just a it's a it's a detail that doesn't need to be yeah. there, but it's nice. Um, but their voice, uh, Nitro is David Lander, aka Squiggy from Laverne and Shirley. Mm-hmm. But you know him mm-hmm. from a lot of other stuff. And uh, the the big guy Crocker is formerly delightful comedic performer, now confirmed <laughs> creep Jeffrey Tambor. Yep. Which you know, like they didn't know at the time, and he does have a good voice. But uh, but the big one is uh, uh, for us because we did cover all of Star Trek. Is um, Leslie Tompkins is Diana Mulder, who was Doctor Pulaski, my favorite. <laughs> you you came around on her. I did. Like it took told the entirety you, of season two, but yes, I did come around on her. I by told the you end. she's not as bad as you remember, Matt. I mm-hmm. promise. And you're like, yes, she is. And then by the end, you're like, okay, fine. All right. She's she's all right. But you know, again, I love seeing these people pop up in here Mm -hmm. and she's a good choice although again tying to the similarity between these guys and spider-man designs you guys were saying like she was just just aunt may (laughs) very aunt may look (laughs) so yeah so we get daggett who looks he's got the squared off head of a norman osborne Mm -hmm. type Mm -hmm. and then leslie tompkins who is mother of paul f tompkins (laughs) mother Ah! of paul f tompkins Mm -hmm. (laughs) um but yeah, no, is uh, wears a 
headscarf. Mm-hmm. And as soon as she puts that on, she looks like Aunt May from Spider-Man yep. 2. Well, well, I, got, got, I gotta go cook wheat cakes or something. She's got she's got her <laughs> hair up, like her silver hair up in the exact same bun. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the headscarf mm-hmm. tops it off. It's it's just, yeah, that is Aunt May. Gotta go get oh. screamed at by Willem Dafoe in a Power Rangers costume. <laughs> Oh, I'm very old. Come on, Peter. It's the 60s. Swing a little. <laughs> uh, all right. Bad things. Fred, what do you got? Mm. Um. All right. My bad thing is that Roland Daggett gets away with being such a shitty rich guy. Like, he's bombing the poor. And that's, I know he comes back again later. put it. Bombing the poor. <laughs> well. You're not wrong. I'm going to be direct. Yeah. This guy's an yeah, asshole. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but that's what he's doing. And it really irritates me in this episode that he just gets away with it. And it's like, and it's like, ah, no comeuppance or anything. And I'm just, and it's, it's, it's a little too real for me right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I maybe... Maybe I should just skip to the one where he goes to, to jail or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, but I looked it up because it I, just stings I, right now. <laughs> I was curious how like how uh, recurring he was, and he shows up at least once more because he does finally get his comeuppance in a Batgirl episode, and we all know Batgirl doesn't show up for a long time. Yeah, she's like third mm-hmm. or fourth season. Yeah, I I don't think she shows up till the the new Batman adventure. Yeah, I think I that's right. Right about that. So. It's a little before that, because ah. I know she's in Sub Zero as well. Oh, the which is yeah, between the, uh, the movie. Yeah, right. So they, she would have been before that, I think. But it's still at least like fifty episodes away. Mm-hmm. Like we're quite yeah, quite oh, some yeah. time from now. Oh, easily. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Daggett's I... walking free, running for president. <laughs> uh huh. But see, I do like, like I I appreciate that it's a bad thing to you, but you know you're supposed to feel like that. Oh no, I it's. <sighs> Look, this was. I'm kind of uh, grasping at straws here. Oh, we've been doing this a long tough... time. This happens. I, yeah. I get it. This is. Th- these were two weeks of exception, or like two, yeah. two weeks of exceptional oh, yeah. episodes here. Yeah. And it, I go, what's my bad thing? Mm-hmm. It looked mm-hmm. gorgeous. The writing was really good. Mm-hmm. The voice acting. I. What's my bad thing? The bad guy gets away with it, and he's a real asshole. <laughs> no, I mean it made you feel bad. That's that's legit. It did. It, yeah. did. it definitely mm-hmm. did. <laughs> and probably more now than. If you were this age, oh, yeah. if you were this age in 1992, it probably wouldn't make you feel as bad as it does now. You know, like that's true too. Yeah, um, Matt, what was your bad thing? I would like to think that of all of the places in Gotham, uh, Park Row would be the one that benefits the most from Bruce Wayne billionaire trying to make it a better place. Like mm-hmm. letting it molder for 30 years until it falls into Daggett's hands seems really out of character for Bruce. Someone we have seen repeatedly is extremely passionate about this one spot. Mm-hmm. No, we've seen him volunteering at soup kitchens. Yeah, we've seen him like we've like mm-hmm. they've shown him directly taking a hand in like this. Bruce is absolutely trying to uh, fight like poverty mm. as well as crime, and I love that. Yeah. I just like that character feels very much like oh, Park Row sucks. Throw some money at that shit. Yeah, I will go broke. <laughs> I don't care. Yeah, like I'll 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 give them my mansion if that helps. Yeah. Like, I don't care if I have to sell all my Batmobiles. Yeah. Like, I can see yeah. no, Gotham yeah. being a bad enough place. I can sell place. most of them and still be feared. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I can see... What about the whirly bird, sir? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I really like... I kind of like it. That one is Robin's favorite. <laughs> mm. 
Well, we wouldn't want to disappoint the boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Matt, you were saying? I just, like, I can see Gotham City as being a big enough shithole that you can't clean up all of it, like, no matter how much money you have. Right. You know, you have to right. dress up mm-hmm. as a bat and punch out murder clowns. <laughs> um, but that one place... And Park, the poor. Yeah. That one place, Park Row, where his parents died, like, that, you would think that place would get, like, built up, you mm-hmm. know, improved... Yeah. Anyone who's living there is like, you know, they put the community center in, all that kind of thing. Yeah, there's there's oh, yeah. like a weird stretch of like armed guards right leading directly from the movie theater. Mm-hmm. Like, hmm, why is this specific corner guarded so much? Yeah, no, Bruce no Wayne that, really. Bruce Wayne's got some problems. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. I I mean, yeah. It's one of those things where it has to be that way for the story sure. to work. But, you know. Mm-hmm. I do I mean, I d- Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I do, I agree with, with Matt's uh, point here about Bruce wanting to build this up, but I do get a little irritated when a bunch of people are like, well, how come Batman fights crime when he should, should, should just be putting all his money I into Gotham? I hate that Gotham. shit so much. And I'm like, because ah, it's a yeah. comic. Yeah. Because then he wouldn't be I don't want to read about a guy in a suit signing checks. <laughs> but this show has managed to pull off, again, yes. every possible version of that, and- we see Bruce doing that. Like he is doing oh, his yeah. best. And I like that. And I, I I also like the structure of this episode, as you made very clear in your in your summary there, Matt. Like it's there is no supervillain there. It's just Batman constantly being distracted by all these things yeah. because this place is a rundown shithole with a lot of problems. Mm-hmm. Some of them because there are criminals, some of them because of like infrastructure and stuff, like, you know, failing trains. Mm-hmm. And like it's, yeah. it, it's just like this place is such a mess that Batman can't even go run a simple errand there without seeing ten people in in distress and having to save them. You just know, I, I don't know. I like that. Drop some fucking roses off. I don't see what the issue is here. I do this every year. What is the problem? What is with you people tonight? Ugh. I should call this place <laughs> Crime Alley. <laughs> I'm gonna take no, down I, that big I, sign that says Fun Alley. <laughs> <laughs> Who put that there? Place isn't fun at all. <laughs> the Fun King put that up when he was trying to take over the city. Oh, that I'm going to yeah. kill the mayor by having fun. <laughs> pretty this sure, theme isn't working. Pretty sure he ran the um the newsstand called Time to Read. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to read, Batman. <laughs> Reading is fundamental. No, again, I just I like the idea of him just trying to do a simple thing and mm-hmm. this place being such a mess that he can't even do that. Yeah. Also, even, I want him. Oh, go ahead. There's a part, like, by the third incident, like, Batman's just sitting in the Batmobile and just like, seriously? Come on! Yeah. Like, you can't see his eyeballs, but he's clearly rolling his eyes. Uh-huh. He, like, I also want to point out how much of a damn hero Leslie Tompkins is. Mm-hmm. Because mm. he swoops in and unties her or, or un, like takes the gag down and he's about to untie her. She's like, never mind that. Go save the people. Yep. I'll be fine. And I just so good. Yeah. I was really more invested in this episode than I realized. Cause when I was watching it again, taking notes, I was watching it and there's the bit, it's a foregone conclusion. He's going to save Leslie Tompkins. But when he gets there and he, he defuses the bomb, I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, he, you did it. And I'm like, I knew he would, but I'm I'm still just really excited yep. about that. No, and again, that's that's like the way they pace the writing and the animation. Oh yeah, to to sell uh, like we talked about this in the last episode, but like a cliched 
sequence that you've seen a million times, but they they get you invested. They make you care mm-hmm. just because of the pacing and the and the and the act. You know, the action, the animation, the the voice acting, all of it just makes you excited about something that again you know is already going to happen. I love that. Yeah, they're very good at that. Mm. Uh, and and Matt, doesn't your quote tie into the uh, to the bit that I'm talking about? I think so. Yes. Or at least to, to, to Leslie and That is Leslie in Jeopardy, at least. I like this. This is funny. Urban redevelopment, lady. That's what this is all about. Uh, tell me if the rope's too tight. Yeah. No, and again, this is these are the people who made Batman who he is now. It's cool to see that they're tough also. Mm-hmm. Like, she's, you know, she's heroic and she's kind of a badass. Yeah. Even though she's 80 years old and looks like she's going to like fall apart. Well, I like know? that bit where like uh, the woman who works at the other woman that works at the, the free clinic is just like, you're going to be safe walking. She's like, I live here my whole life. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love Batman shows up looking for Leslie. And that woman is like, well, Leslie said she was meeting a friend, but mm, didn't know it was you. <laughs> that's not how she says it. But I mean, given our, given our discussions the last 13 weeks, that's that's what I read. Looking him up and down. Hmm. Are you another? Are you another mom? I'm a grandmother. Uh, two moms. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie's doing all right for herself. Uh-huh. Good job, Leslie. Oh, a date, also, a date time, with handsome Batman. <laughs> every time anyone said Leslie, I could only hear it in Tom Haverford's whiny voice. Leslie, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Um, anything else? I think that's it. I don't really yeah. have anything else about this one. Yeah, it's very good. This is the Jimmy Olsen. It's, it's really good. Uh, oh yeah, uh, truck. <laughs> the Jimmy Olsen truck. Yeah, you know, for, no, for dispensing Jimmy Olsen's. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. Then I do have a quick thing. Yeah. <laughs> we caught when we were watching it. There is a guy on the topic of character designs. Uh-huh. There is a photographer guy who shows up at the very end, and it is a wild choice to design the guy like that. <laughs> It's it's because his style is so different from everyone else in the crowd. It's like yeah, that hmm. did did the guy designing this crowd just like oh I got a hand cramp. Somebody else somebody else do this last guy yeah. for me. <laughs> I mean I like it. I like the design, but it definitely it draws my attention away from everything else happening. No, and <laughs> this show doesn't fall victim to this a lot, but it happens occasionally in animation where you have that like. Oh, that's the guy that's gonna talk mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. he looks so different from everyone else here. That 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 element is on a different cell. It's being animated differently. Yep. Yeah, he's gonna have the lines. That guy's, that guy's gonna talk. Everyone else is a painting. Yep. Yeah, exactly. What he's or gonna like say a, is, uh, "How was your time in jail? <laughs> what was it like being in jail?" That's it. Oh, that one reporter. Mm-hmm. Get it. Get better questions, man. He He's wasn't just got, even in jail. Pay attention. He's just got... This is my first day. He's writing a book about what it's like in jail. <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to be in jail? Questions shouted to Gotham's elite. <laughs> 50 celebrities <laughs> talk about their time in jail. <laughs> and the four who didn't. <laughs> no, that's the BuzzFeed uh, Oh. Yep. All right. Anything else? I think that's it. Yeah. Very well. Well, that's all for this time. Uh, Fred, you have some cool things to plug. Why yeah. don't you tell people about them? I, I do have cool things to plug. Okay. Let me see. Um, So I am a, I'm a comic artist and colorist, so most of this is going to be 
I actually, all of this is going to be uh, comic book stuff, so buckle up. Well we, don't, well, we don't care for any of that stuff here, so. Hmm. Oh, okay. Well, I'll just go. <laughs> um, so uh, I've got coming out this month, uh, July 29th, Rick and Morty Presents Bird Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written by uh, Alex Firer and drawn by me, and I'm very excited for everybody to get a chance to see this. Excellent. It was a lot of fun. I am do. looking forward to reading it. Oh, thank I like you. Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> and then next up is uh, The Wreckage, uh, issue two. They got a Kickstarter going. It's written by Noah Salt, and um, I'm doing the colors on it. The Kickstarter is about $300 away from making its goal, so that would be cool. Yeah. And beyond that, um, in October, uh, a new comic from Oni Press is coming out. It's sort of a... It's sort of a historical vampire comedy, uh, Lost Boys style book. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called uh, The Vein, and issue one is out this October. I'm on colors for nice. that. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'm going to plug is just uh, Invader Zim Quarterly. The comics are still coming out and will be coming out throughout the year, and I'm on colors for that and sometimes art duties. So check it out if you like. You can find it uh, basically at any bookstore or on Comicsology if you are so inclined. Excellent. Yeah, awesome. Now, do you- do you have like uh, uh, some place, like sort of a central place that people can keep up? I mean, I assume your Twitter, if nothing else. My Twitter. I, I've got my Twitter. I've got, yeah, just so look up my Twitter. Uh, it's at Fred C. Stressing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Stressing, S-T-R-E-S-I-N-G. Mm-hmm. It's an easy, easy mistake to make. See, you, um, you thought at the beginning of the show when I was talking about how his name was spelled that that wouldn't pay off, but now it has. <laughs> there we go. Uh-huh. <laughs> But uh, but yeah. So you can find me there. Um, that's that's basically where you can find me. I don't have a proper functioning website except for portfolio mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So excellent. Uh, Fred and his wife Meg also contributed the backgrounds to the uh, point and click adventure game that Matt and I wrote yes. uh, a couple of years ago, developed with um, my friend Mark Darren, um, which is free. It is still available on Steam and uh, for the Android. Uh, it is the Adventures of Nick and Willikins, mm-hmm. and those backgrounds were absolutely gorgeous. Oh. They were so good. They made they elevated that game like to a, a whole other level. It's yeah, absolutely. So uh, oh, thank you. Every, everybody, go play it. Yeah, you please. Guys also drew uh, uh, Batman the Animated Series style avatars for uh, oh, yes. for me and Matt, and, mm-hmm. and now also for uh, my wife Amanda, who will be on the show next week. Yes. Um, and you can see the ones of me and Matt there. Uh, I, mine is currently my uh, Twitter avatar, Matt. I know you uh, recently commissioned uh, some other art, so you uh, yes, you changed it. But uh, they are on our website, kidslovebatman.com, Like in the uh, in the bio section, you can see, and they so good looking. Yeah, like, seriously, they nailed that style. Oh, thank really you. Well. Uh, but that is our website, kidslovebatman.com. Uh, if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is at Algar at Robot Matt. If you want to write to us, it is kidslovebatmanpodcast at Gmail. Uh, as I said, next week, uh, my wife Amanda will be on. And for those of you unfamiliar, I'm telling you now, she is your favorite guest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she will tell you that, if nothing She else. definitely will. Uh, she wants to come on and talk about the Mad Hatter for who knows what reason. <laughs> so look forward to that. Everybody's and, favorite. Uh, that's, yeah, that's all for this time. <laughs> yeah, see ya, folks. For more information about this show and the people who make it, visit kidslovebatman.com. To provide financial support for this show and all of the shows produced by Algar Productions, consider a pledge at patreon.com slash Algar. That's double A-L-G-A-R. 
The Kids Love Batman podcast is a co-production of Matt Robotham and Ron Algar Watt. Copyright 2020, Algar Productions. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.